0: Welcome to the podcast of St. Basil the Great Catholic Church in Brecksville, Ohio, with homilies, talks, and interviews relevant to your Catholic faith. God bless you and enjoy. I want to begin by showing how the gospel this week and the gospel last week kind of complement and build off of each other. And I'm sure all of you have been talking about last week's gospel nonstop. But in case you don't remember, I thought I'd just remind you a little of it. It's John chapter 1, all right? So last week we began with the first chapter of the Gospel of John. And the first words on Jesus' lips in the Gospel of John were this. What are you looking for? What are you seeking? What are you desiring? What is your deepest place within you hope for and dream of? This week, we're in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. The first words on Jesus' lips in the Gospel of Mark are this. This is the time of fulfillment. So you have John appealing to our hearts saying, what are you looking for? Now you have Mark offering to the world, now's the time of fulfillment. In both Gospels, it's abundantly clear that in Jesus' mind, He came to fulfill our humanity. He came to bring it to a place where all of our energy, all of our activity could finally be at rest. Because we had found what we've been looking for. What he will propose in the Gospel of John, throughout the Gospel, is what you are looking for really, Jesus will say, is me. And the gospel of Mark begins with him saying, I'm it. I've come into the world finally. The kingdom of God is here. Come on, repent, come follow me. I'm going to take you to the place you've been dreaming of. Ten years of priesthood for me, and I never get sick about talking about this. Because I think it is the number one missing part of the church's activity. We all could pass our fifth grade religion test. Does Jesus fulfill our hearts? True or false? And we'd all circle true so we could pass the test. And yet, if you haven't noticed, it hasn't been giving life, life life-giving transforming powers to us. Knowing the content of the right answers has not been enough. If that was the case, we'd all be levitating. It'd be wonderful. We'd have to put the new lights a little higher. because what we aren't familiar with is the desires inside of us. What we're not even really aware of is, what is it that I really want? If Jesus claims to be the fulfillment, I don't even know what I'm looking for. And if what I think I'm looking for has nothing to do with Jesus, then when I come to Mass on Sundays, at best what we're doing here is appeasing our conscience. But if the ultimate reality of everything I long for, hope for, beg God for, and dream of is actually present, becomes physical again through what we call a sacrament, then this is the greatest place to be for our humanity. Not just some religious tradition, but our humanity. So let's go back a second here. There's a French philosopher and mystic named Simone Vey. She says, two things pierce the human heart. We could say two things get us in touch with our desire. Beauty and affliction. Let's Focus in on affliction. Very simple example. As you might be able to hear, I have a cold. I don't know how old you get when you finally don't feel like you're five years old when you have a cold. But I haven't reached that age yet. All right. And so, you know, you, you just constantly, I just want this thing gone. I was talking to Father Jeff this afternoon, and in a very dramatic fashion, you can imagine what it's like to live with me, poor guy. <laughs> Very dramatic faction. I just stood up after I sneezed real loud. I said, I'm done. I don't want the cold anymore. I'm done with it. Well, it doesn't work that way, right? But see, when we have an affliction, as minor as a cold, or as major as the Regan sitting in the first pew with us who lost their baby in utero, affliction awakens in you very quickly the kind of life you want to be living but you're not experiencing. I know them well. They would love a world where babies don't die, especially their own. I would love a world where I don't have a cold. Affliction puts us in touch with the kind of life we would love to be living, yet we don't yet live. So where do we go with those desires? Where do we go with those hopes and dreams? What we normally do with them is numb them out. How? Well, I can name a bazillion ways. You can find your own. But whether it's binge-watching TV, excessive drinking, certain internet searches, retail therapy, being obsessed with work, you name it, we all have different ways so we don't have to feel as vulnerable and dependent as we are. If you and I descend into our humanity enough what we're going to experience is that you and I cannot fulfill ourselves. We are created in such a way that we are dependent and needy for someone or something, some mystery to show up on our behalf and provide the very life we're hoping for, but we can't generate ourselves. Now imagine if you lived in that ache, that longing, Imagine if every day you knew I was meant for fullness, yet I don't know where to find it, but I'm hungry for it. And you were opening it to God in prayer. And then a mysterious person showed up in your life and said, it's time for fulfillment. The kingdom's here. And he said, follow me. This is the radical claim of our faith, that the life we're seeking, the mystery that we can't really name, showed up as one of us and became a rich presence, making claims on our lives, saying, repent, meaning stop thinking the way everyone else does and believe, follow me. And some people did. And to follow Jesus was not like a country club experience. It involved sacrifice. They had to give up things of comfort, things that they were familiar with, things where they got to feel competent all day. I know how to fish. I'm a fisherman. I know how to do that. Jesus called them away from that life. To follow our Lord does not mean we get to feel competent, confident, or comfortable. It means that we get to live a rich adventure of tasting real moments of fulfillment, and then begging and panting for more as it flips, slips through our fingers. Coming to Mass with all the longings and heartbreak, disappointments and hopes that we live in our real human lives, bringing them here, knowing that heaven really does descend upon earth at a particular place, at a particular time known as Mass. And we get to join angels to hear the heavenly song. Thank God we have good musicians. They help us hear it a little bit. We've all been to places where that's not the case. And then to our great mystery, to our great uh, surprise, the mystery shows up again as the Eucharist to nourish in our hearts the hope that there is a place where there's no colds, and no burying of children. There is a place where Jesus' death and resurrection is a definitive victory. And we get to be nourished on that hope. So we live in this world rejoicing in what is good, but sustained by the hope that he will bring us into the world to come, the fullness of the kingdom. Two of the four gospel writers thought we need to begin the story by tapping into people's desires and letting them know with Jesus, fulfillment is real. May you and I take the courageous journey. May we have the zeal, the courage, as my Jewish family would call it, the chutzpah, to get deep in touch with our hearts and learn to open them up so that the Lord can indeed fulfill us.